Welcome back to Rediscovering Humanity, the podcast where we relearn what it means to live and to be human. We are your hosts, Joel and Isai. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great, man. I'm excited to start getting into the holiday spirit, to start getting into the holiday mode. How early on do you get into the holiday spirit, man? Oh, man, the question should be, how early on am I allowed to get into the holiday <laughs> spirit? That's funny. <laughs> I, I think it's Christmas all year for me. You know, like I've showed you around my office, I have, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas, Muppets Christmas Carol. It's a wonderful yeah. life. So, but I think I would say uh, a little before Halloween, I already start flirting. I already start feeling the ground, you know, to see if it's okay to play something here and there. <laughs> That's <laughs> so. funny. That's funny. Yeah, well, we're getting into the holiday spirit and we love we love Christmas. You know, Joel, I'm really fascinated by the topic of today's conversation. Yeah, it really goes deep into the question, right? What makes us human? What is the fundamental ingredient that makes uh, you and I who we are? I love this because we've touched on this. We've we've hinted at it before, but we're going right into the heart of this this topic. And the reason why it matters is depending on what you understand it means to be human, you'll approach the journey to a better life differently. So in other words, who you think you are is going to affect how you go about living. Right on, man. Now, just to kind of introduce our conversation furthermore, we have to say that, you know, a good chunk of it is going to be inspired by a, a theologian, I would say. I don't know that he labels himself that way, but theologian and mainly Christian educator, James K.A. Smith. Uh, I've read two of his books, You Are What You Love and Desiring the Kingdom. And in both of them, he approaches the same idea through different angles. The idea is the following, that human beings are primarily loving things. So if one was to ask a simple question, what does it mean to be human? What drives a person from the moment that he wakes up to the time he goes to bed, you're saying it would be love? Apparently. But before we make sense of this a little more, I think we need to make some kind of a intellectual disclaimers here, right? <laughs> we're not anthropologists. We're not philosophers. We're not teachers. This is not going to be the last word on the matter. And I'm sure that, that some smarter people than us that may be listening to this podcast could have a lot to say, right? But we're just trying to get started and to have at least a, a thought-provoking conversation on this. Absolutely. And we're, we're trying our best, of course. And at the very least, <laughs> our goal, like you mentioned, is to spark those valid questions in the minds of our listeners to push each other to research more, to reflect more, to grow. Right on, man. All right. So to begin at the beginning, great place to start. It's important <laughs> to realize that none of us approach the question of what makes us human from a neutral standpoint. Exactly. You know, we've, both of us have gone to school and grown up in some sort of Western society, right? So we, um, like it or not, believe it or not, are exposed to a very specific way of understanding human beings from the very beginning. And this is really fascinating to me. We tend to think that the education we get since we're at a young age, we, we think that it's balanced and impartial. And maybe to an extent it may be. But we don't really think about what understanding of what it is to be human has informed us and influenced the education we're getting. Yep. So we really need to have a critical eye to see that 
the way that we have been raised up and the way that, you know, those of us who have kids are raising our children isn't necessarily objective, but it is influenced and pregnant with, mm. um, with a specific way of looking and understanding human beings. So what is then the dominant view of what makes us human in education and society at large? So it really gets kicked off sort of officially with a French philosopher called René Descartes. There were some Greek philosophers that flirted with the same idea that we're going to share before, but he's sort of the official, you know, discoverer of this idea, or at least the one that, that kind of made it, made it famous in the philosophical and educational world, right? So he, mm. he went on a quest to find absolute truth and certainty. He wanted to know what could be known without any doubts or any possibility of deception. So he started with his body, but then as it would seem obvious to all of us, and I think most of us could agree with this, right? That our senses can be deceived, right? So then he went to the world, to the realm of mathematics. And he concluded that, you know, two plus two equal four may seem obviously true and undisputable. There's a faint possibility that some evil spirit would be deceiving him into believing that two plus two equal four was true when it actually wasn't. All right. So nothing is certain. All can be doubted. Great. What was his conclusion then? Well, so so in this sort of uh, uh, all can be, you know, as you said, in in this kind of generalized, bleak, doubting world he kind of found his intellectual happy ending his he landed home there right because Mm. this is how he thought he said well even if i am being deceived it means that there is something to deceive right so his formula sort of ended up being formulated this way i am deceived i think therefore i am wow okay so just to make it clear this is what he's saying. Even if I'm being deceived by something or someone, the ability to be deceived means that I would have to exist to begin with, right? Yep, exactly. And ultimately, you know, Smith words beautifully Descartes' conclusion. He says, well, what I am is an essentially immaterial mind or consciousness, a.k.a. A thinking thing. A thinking thing. All right. It sounds strange when you say it like that, but that's his conclusion. The human beings stripped to their bare bones are a thinking entity. Yep. Now, you know, how do you think, Isai, that this would influence the way we educate a kid? Well, if I believed that human beings were primarily thinking things, then I would only focus on educating that thinking cognitive part. Exactly. And, and by doing so, you know, to a smaller or greater degree, you would be pushing back the rest of the human experience, right? The body, the senses, feelings, beliefs, loves, everything would just kind of get relegated to a second place in favor of the thinking part. Now, that's such a limited approach to education, but I see where we're heading with this. People that would grow up with this educational model would very much struggle in their journey to rediscover their humanity. 
you know, just think about this. If you and I were convinced that all we are is thinking things, then really our journey to rediscover who we are and what good living may be is just kind of beginning and ending with our thoughts, right? All we would have to worry about, all we would have to care about is to make sure that what we're thinking is properly calibrated and directed to get us to the right direction where we want to go. Wow. It's so limited. And you know what I'm realizing too is that that's a huge problem that we see for so many Christians. Many of us act as if the only thing we need to do in order to fix our troubles is just think our way out of it. Think our way out of our brokenness and our sin. <laughs> Man, I have been there. You know, and sometimes this behavior may come through the disguise of prayer or other religious practices. And the goal seems to be the same, to think our way to a better life. In, the, in, in this case, a better life with God. Study harder, pray harder, think harder. Mm. That's the way to a better human experience. Ah, man, this is frustrating, right? Because apparently we are thinking things. Yeah, and it really, I can't tell you how many frustrated people I've come across, and I'm sure you have as well, both inside and out the church because of this. No matter how many books you read, how many scriptures they study, or how much they muster up their will, they keep just failing to live a better life. Yeah, I hear you, man. I think that this is why we're having this conversation today. You know, we're not trying to say that studying is bad or unnecessary, you know, the Bible or any other book. We, we're not saying determination and willpower is not necessary. Well, we're saying that these are not the things that make us in our most fundamental basic level who we are. And therefore, you know, if we're right, then those are not the way um, in which we're going to find a better life for ourselves. All right. So if we're not just primarily thinking things, then what are we? Loving things. What do you mean loving things? So, you know, the way Smith explains this in his books is that the way we inhabit the world isn't primarily as thinkers or even believers, but as a more effective embodied creatures who make our way in the world more by feeling our way around it. Okay. So we don't think our way to a better life. We feel it. Well, so I I love the illustration of how how Smith kind of looks at human beings from this perspective, right? It's kind of a humorous thing. He says that instead of looking at humans as thinking boxes, right? Containers for ideas and beliefs. He would rather see them as constantly in motion, not best represented by a photograph, but by a video. Nice. And so what sets human beings in this state of constant growth, constant development, wouldn't be their cognitive abilities, but their love. Mm. Not only love for people, but also for specific dreams, goals, and ideas. You know, the kind of family they would like to be, the world that they would like to live in, the career they would like to pursue, the body or the health that they would like to have, the church they would like to go to. All right. So what I'm hearing you say is we fall in love with a specific vision of the good life and we follow it with all of our being, with our hearts, mind, hands, and feet. And it seems so easy to me now to see how this view 
of, you know, of what makes us human is so much more comprehensive than the mainstream one. Instead of thinking that the human experience boils down to a mere cognitive process, right? We just think your way to a better you. We then begin to see all the parts of a person being driven by love, fueled by love, deeply involved in the journey to just rediscovering who we are. And so if we're going back to Descartes uh, at the beginning of the conversation, we could say then, I love, therefore I am. Absolutely, right? I love people, goals, dreams, pictures of the good life, God, therefore I exist. Nice. So I guess the question that remains is, if that idea of I love, therefore I am, is it anywhere found in the Bible? It does say that God is love, but what about us? What does it say about us? Yeah, so I, I really think that, you know, this is going to take longer than, than today to really explore Absolutely. in depth. And, and again, this is why we're here, I think, probably to a huge extent, right? But, but we can begin to see the answer. In Matthew 22, right, Jesus gets asked the question, hey, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And what's really behind this question is, hey, Jesus, what do you think is the essence, the heart, the, the basis of the law? You know, a law that if we're going to echo back to what, to our conversation with Tiago in our last episode, uh, really was meant to educate uh, Israel, which at that point when they received it were just a bunch of slaves, right? Mm. Uh, what reality was and who they were in relation to each other and to God. And so this is what Jesus replies. Again, as to what the heart of the law is. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like this. You shall again love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Wow. So let me get this straight. The law of God stripped down, boiled down, and reduced to its most basic state. It's about love, not doubting, thinking, or believing, but actually all about love. Loving God and apparently loving the person in front of you as well. Hmm. And this reminds me of a verse in Proverbs 23, 26, where the wise man, he's telling his son, his son, he's looking to begin his own journey of growth. And he tells him, son, his son, give me your heart. Not give me your brain, but first and foremost, your heart. So to me, it seems fair to say, looking at what we're looking at so far, that the Bible does see human beings as more than thinking things or believing things, but rather as loving things, right? Creatures who are fueled by a specific love for specific people, hopes, dreams, beliefs that will direct them in one path or another. And this means really that the journey we're on through this podcast, through these conversations, you and I and with our friends listening, it's one of falling in love, actually. Falling in love with God and his vision of what a good life should be. Hopefully, right? You know, we're not doing this out of an intellectual conviction. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, but we're doing this because we fell in love, right? You and I with the plans that, that we saw our creator had when he made us. 
And this is the heart of the podcast. We may be giving away too much, but we want you to fall in love with God and his dreams for you. And then all kinds of cognitive and intellectual exercises, those will follow. But if we indeed are loving creatures, then we can only grow up when our love is directed towards life. Absolutely, man. You know, we've mentioned this before. I think that it comes back to the idea that we're not alive just for the sake of living. That our life doesn't just have a, you know, a pleasure, a happy compass, right? But that, that we're created or, or we're alive to live towards something and, and, you know, in our belief as Christians, towards someone, right? Mm. Man, I, there's so much more that we could say, but sadly, we're out of time today. So I hope that at the very least, this was a, a conversation that I know that it, it got our brain juices going, right? For you and I. Mm. And I hope that it will as well for our, for our listeners, right? Any ideas, any questions, contact us, right? We would love to hear from you. We would love to have... Uh, to, to have more conversations with you to, to, to keep this going, right? So you can email us at rediscoveringhumanitypodcast at gmail.com. And you can also message us, contact us on our Facebook page. Just look for us at Rediscovering Humanity Podcast on Facebook and also on Instagram, right? So we are trying to be everywhere. Exactly. Absolutely. We want to hear from you. Well, friends, this has been Rediscovering Humanity. Join us next week for another portion of our journey together. All right, and until then, stay safe.